Please be seated. You can turn in your Bibles to the book of Colossians. We'll look at chapter 2, verses 6 and 7 this morning. Colossians 2, 6 and 7. Um, so I became a Christian. Um, several of you are aware of this. My, uh, during my freshman year in college, I grew up uh, an atheist. Before I became a Christian, I was a pretty strong atheist. I was pretty mean about um, my beliefs and the beliefs of others, especially those of Christians. Um, and immediately after I became a Christian, uh, I, I realized that having been an atheist, I didn't really know what I was rejecting when I was rejecting Christianity so uh, um, passionately. Um, but immediately after I became a Christian, I, I probably wouldn't have been able to define Christianity very well for you even still, right? Even after I professed faith in Christ, you know, something about a relationship with God, something about receiving Christ, something about having a changed lifestyle, not really sure how all of it worked, how to say it, you know, how to express and articulate it in the most precise language. It was only a couple of years later that um, I started to realize that uh, in this whole thing that grace was pretty important, grace, um, that the relationship that we have with God is due to his grace alone, that uh, when we receive Christ, that means salvation is by grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone, and that one's life... Um, was changed as a result of God's grace at work. Uh, so Christianity is a religion of grace, and it all comes through Jesus, and it changes the way that we think about everything as Christians. Um, and in particular, when I was going through that process of becoming more aware of this concept of grace, God's love, free, unmerited favor that he has for us in Christ uh, that we can never earn, um, God used the text that's in front of us this morning uh, to bring me personally to a better understanding of that dynamic. So it's sort of the, se- uh, the, the theme verse for Paul's letter uh, to the Colossians. Um, it's the key thing that he wants to communicate to them as a new church to get, um, to get new believers and young believers to grow as Christians in the gospel. So I'm looking forward to getting into the text. Let's pray, and then we'll read the scripture. Father, we thank you for... Um, making us, for telling the world about your salvation, for providing salvation through Christ, and for um, sending your Holy Spirit to uh, convict us uh, of our sins and to convict us of uh, the righteousness of Christ and um, to assure us of the salvation that we find in him by faith. We, We thank you for all of your work, for who you are and what you've done for us. And we pray that you would apply it now to us this morning in a way that truly changes us, that, um, that you would grow each and every one of us here in our, uh, not just our understanding of the gospel, but our apprehension of it, our, our love of it, that we would be changed by it more and more um, as you wish. And so we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him rooted and built up in him and established in the faith just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So um, this is where I feel like a broken record. So um, this is where I feel like a broken record. (laughs) 
We've already talked about this plenty. We've talked about this uh, in the series on Colossians, about how the way forward in the Christian life is the same as the way into the Christian life. Um, the gospel isn't just for the beginning of the Christian life. It's for the whole of the Christian life. Uh, faith in the gospel that you've already heard, um, that you've already heard this morning, is, uh, is how you grow as a Christian. In the whole Bible, that doesn't get communicated much more clearly than it does in our passage right here, uh, that dynamic. Um, as you received Christ, so walk in him. In the same way that you received him, continue to walk in him. And the Bible often uses the analogy of a walk for a Christian life. And Paul's saying that uh, the way that you walk, the way that you live, the way that you make progress as a Christian is, um, <clears throat> is the same as the way that you initially came into a relationship with God through Christ. Um, and a lot of times Christians talk about their conversions using the language uh, when they refer to it as the, the time that I received Christ, right? Um, or I accepted Christ. And what we mean by that uh, is probably pretty close to what Paul says here. He's referring to how, um, remember, he had never met the Colossians, but he probably had trained Epaphras, who was from Colossae, and Epaphras was the one who planted the church there. And so he's referring to how Epaphras had already communicated the gospel. He'd already in a sense, handed down this tradition to them, right? He'd handed down the... Um, tradition's not just a bad word, right? Uh, he's, he's handed down the objective holy faith to the saints, uh, to the Colossians, like one passes on a tradition to, uh, from, from one generation to the next, right? That's how it's transmitted. And so um, they've received that gospel. He says in verse 7, just as you were taught, right? Epaphras taught you, um, so this is not new, uh, new news for you. The Colossians received Christ Jesus the Lord when they heard about him in the gospel. And uh, Christ Jesus the Lord is uh, a couple of titles along with his name. They had received him. He's the Christ, right? He's the Messiah. He's the one who is anointed with the Spirit of God in order to deliver God's people, to anoint them with the Spirit of God, uh, he's the promised one who would restore sight to the blind. He would restore hearing to the deaf. He'd make the lame to walk, and he'd give life to the dead, the one who's going to fix everything. Right? Um, and he is Jesus, which means, as we're told in the Gospels, that God is salvation. Right? The Son of God, come in the flesh to be the Savior uh, of his people, the Savior that they need through his life as a human, uh, through his death, substitutionary atonement on their behalf and through his resurrection and uh, glorification. So, and, and he is the Lord, right? He's not just our Lord. He is the Lord. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the King of heaven and earth who rules over all things for our good. He's no tyrant. Um, he's got absolute authority, but he's no tyrant. Um, and so in the same way that you have received him, you're to walk in him. So the question that we should ask ourselves, <clears throat> how did you receive him? What, what did that look like? In what way did you receive Christ? How did you begin your life as a Christian? You need to know that if you're going to walk in the same way, which is what Paul's commanding in this passage, right? Um, if you're going to walk the same way that you received Christ, you've got to know how you received Christ. Um, and this is how we've received Christ. We've 
you, you've heard the word of the gospel. You heard the good news about Jesus, and you put your faith in him. You trusted in his grace. You trusted in his mercy to restore you to God, to reconcile you, to give you peace with God. Right? You came with an awareness of your sinfulness, with an awareness of the relational gap um, and all the barriers that exist between uh, you and a holy God. You came with nothing in your hands, nothing to endear you to God, nothing to speak on your behalf, nothing to show for yourself except for a rebel's heart. And you believe that God has mercy on people like you, that he loves people like you, that he loves you. Because you saw his mercy and his love demonstrated once for all in, in Jesus, in, in his sacrificial death for you on a cross. You received him, you see, received Christ with a desperate trust, right? a thankful and joyful trust because of what you heard about him in the gospel. You received him with repentance, turning away from your sins. Right? You freely confessed your weakness and your humility. You came with no other hope, no other plea than Jesus' mercy, and what a hope, what a plea. Because his mercy is clear and it's sure and it is sufficient. And what Paul is saying that all of this about the way that you received Christ, about the way that you came to God through him, through faith in him, is, uh, is in the same way that it characterized you when you received him, it needs to characterize you every day. It needs to characterize the way that you walk with Christ, in Christ. Uh, Martin Luther, there's a quote in the beginning of the bulletin, and it's a familiar quote to a lot of us. It's the first of his 95 theses. Um, He says, When our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said, Repent, he willed the entire life of believers to be one of repentance. The concept of repentance is turning away from sin and turning toward God, right? And that's the that's what the Christian does. And the Christian doesn't just do that at the beginning of the Christian life. does that every day, every moment as much as possible. Because that's what Jesus wants. Uh, and that's what he meant by saying repent. So repentance uh, is not just something that you can get out of the way at the beginning of the Christian life and kind of move on to bigger and better things. Now you approach God differently. As long as you struggle with sin, you will need to repent. And... That's going to be till you die or till Jesus comes back, right? That's your whole life, and it's probably more frequently than any of us realize that we struggle with sin. And in the same way, uh, your faith, your trust in Jesus' mercy is, uh, is, as, is the same way that repentance needs to be characteristic of your life. Your, your faith and your trust in Jesus' mercy needs to be characteristic of your life. It needs to... Uh, it's what needs to grow and deepen throughout your life as a Christian because your lifelong struggle with sin is kind of essentially it's a struggle with unbelief. Right? Uh, it's a struggle with a lack of trust in God. It's a lack of trust in his promises. It's a lack of trust in the person and work of Christ. So there's a sense in which unbelief is at the root of all sin. That's what the, the serpent in the garden tempted Eve with to doubt God's word, to doubt God's character, to doubt God's care and love. When you don't trust in God, when you don't trust in his good care for you, that's when you get angry at him. That's when you reject him. That's when you deny him. That's when you sin. Right? When you don't believe in his love and his work on your behalf, that's when you give yourself to other gods and you seek 
your ultimate pleasure or comfort or security from created things that are not the true God. So, whether you're an unbeliever who needs uh, reconciliation to God in the first place, needs to come into that relationship, be introduced to God through Christ by faith, or whether you're a believer fighting sin and trying to grow in holiness, which is the pattern of our whole lives, that you need exactly the same thing. You need to trust in Christ more. Uh, Whether you need faith in the first place or you're calling out for the millionth time, I I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. Uh, You need to see that Christ Jesus the Lord is worthy of your trust. You need to trust him. So you need to read the Gospels. You need to see Jesus as the one who uh, truly knows what's going on inside of people, right? He knows who we really are, and he gave himself up to death for us anyway. He looks at people, he knows their struggles, and instead of rejecting them, he has pity and compassion on them. He's the friend of sinners who came not to condemn, but to rescue sinners. He has power over nature, he has power over the elements, he has power over all reality, and he was constantly using this power to heal people and to free them from oppression and to feed people, pointing to, uh, to what his presence with them ultimately promised which was the full and final transformation of the entire world by his grace. If you've been a Christian um, even for 20 years or more, you need to hear the good news every bit as much as someone who received Christ this morning. That's what... um, Sorry, I keep bragging about these guys. That's what makes your elders good elders. Is because repentance and faith is like their first objective. And, and how they, they want to shepherd in this church and how they want to get everybody here to grow is by demonstrating repentance and faith. Repentance and faith in the gospel. They know that their need is the same as your need and the same as everybody else's need. And they don't move away from that. Right. Um, now... <clears throat> kind of nod our heads and uh, give assent to this concept, but um, sorry to burst your bubble. You don't really understand it. You don't really believe it. I don't either. That's the, I'm not um, putting myself above you here. We don't really believe that faith in the gospel is how we grow as Christians. That faith in the gospel is the thing. We've got to cling to the gospel every day of our lives. We might say we believe that, and there, there's a way in in which conceptually we agree with that. But what's going on inside of us and the way that it comes out of us in our sins shows that um, uh, at some level we, we resist that concept. And here's, here's the indicator. Paul talks in, uh, at the end of the verse, at the end of uh, verse 7, saying all this needs to take place so you're abounding in thanksgiving. Abounding in thanksgiving. And the indicator that we don't really believe the gospel all the time, that we don't really believe that that's the way forward, is that thanksgiving doesn't really characterize us as much as we want. Right? If you're anything like me, then a joyful response to the gospel or a thankful response to the gospel, you wish you had more of it. Right? Um, I've been in plenty of churches that... Uh, Treat the gospel as the thing that you have to know in order to be a Christian. But there's this unspoken, it's just atmosphere. And sometimes it's even spoken. But 
for those of us who are going to grow in our walks, the motivation there is shame and guilt and fear and and appeals to pride. If you're going to grow as a Christian, those are the things. What you hear from the pulpit is often law. Do better. Try harder. Or um, I've been in seminary classes where the professor says, if you preach the gospel all the time, it's going to get boring really quick. Um, And then he proceeds to teach us how to preach a moralistic sermon that doesn't even mention the name of Christ that could be preached by any good Jew or Muslim. Um, And it's hard for us, even if we hear the gospel regularly, it's hard for us to make that distinction. It's hard for us even to recognize when our eyes have been taken off of Christ as the object of our faith. Um, We hear motivational sermons that basically boil down to just try harder, and we we don't understand how that's not the same thing as saying it is finished. Uh, My old mentor, Charles Garland, points out in a sermon on this passage that, um, that you can see how we don't believe this about the gospel, that it's the way forward, it's the way to grow, that it's the center of our lives. You can see that, that we don't really believe that when you look, for example, at our parenting instincts. Right? A lot of us here are parents. so um, For example, when our kids are fighting over a toy, right? and they can really get at each other's throats, Right over a toy. Our instinct isn't to share the gospel with them. Right? Our instinct isn't to address what's going on inside their little hearts. <laughs> to show them how that toy that they're fighting over, it makes a bad God. And let me tell you how I know it makes a bad God, because my toys make bad gods. And you can relate to them. because You can tell them ways in which you've given yourself to these little gods and it's been unfulfilling. We don't do that with our kids. We don't show them how they've hated their brother or their sister or their friend because they've loved this little toy so much. There's hate there. We don't show them that. We don't tell them that they need to repent and trust in Christ. Right? We don't show them how he is sufficient and trustworthy and lovely and can change their hearts. That whole gospel approach seems laughable to us in the moment, right? I mean, as if that would work, talk about the gospel. No, you know, what that kid needs is a spanking or a timeout or um, behavior modification of some sort based on guilt or fear or promise of reward, right? I mean, that's stuff that works. And that instinct in us exposes the fact that our instincts are heretical. That's heretical that um, we don't obey God out of guilt or fear or an appeal to pride or a promise of reward, right? You know that theologically. Our theology tells us we don't obey in order to avoid negative consequences or in order to gain God's favor. We obey as a fruit of the gospel at work in our lives, as a response to his grace, to his unlimited and free Favor that's already ours because of Christ Jesus the Lord whom we've received by faith alone. So why do we yell at our kids to stop fighting over the toy and share? We might as well sit down and say, unless you share, I will hate you. Right? I mean, when they see the scowl on our face and the disapproval, 
Is that how the gospel works? God yelling at us? We sure must believe that it is deep down inside, somewhere inside. And we'll always struggle with this. We'll always struggle to believe that in order to grow and change and get better, it's not just about trying harder. It's not just about finding the right trick or gutting it out or appeals to all kinds of motives or whatever, right? We always are going to struggle with that. Paul says, go back to Christ. Go back to repentance and faith and stay there and walk in that. Walk in him as you've received him. Send your roots down deeper into the gospel. That's one of the uh, metaphors he's using here. Send your roots down deeper into the gospel that you've already heard. You've already heard it. Build your house on that foundation of the gospel. Be established, be confirmed, be, be strengthened in the good news that you've already heard about Christ Jesus the Lord. That's what it means to walk in him. And the great part about this is that the gospel is pretty simple, right? It's easy for us to forget it, just not think of it when we need to think of it. But it's pretty simple. And you can memorize this. God loves you. He's given his son Jesus for you. That's easy to remember, isn't it? But um, it's a matter of seeing that gospel, that simple gospel, that profound gospel, play out in all of its implications, what it means for your future, what it means for your arguments with your spouse, what it means for your parenting or dating or job search or addictions. And the more that you apply the gospel, the fact that God loves you and he gave his son Jesus for you, the more that you apply that to the whole of your life, the more you walk in Christ, the same way you received him, the more that you will abound in thanksgiving. And the more uh, good cheer and joy and gratitude and public praise of God will characterize who you are from the inside out. Does that sound right? Does that sound right and good? Um, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Amen. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, I confess that my skull is thick and my heart is hard. That even though I'm uh, well trained in this concept that your grace should drive everything in my life, I don't communicate to others that I believe that with my actions. I don't communicate that to my children. I don't communicate it to my wife when I argue with her. I don't communicate it frequently enough with all of the people around me. And uh, I thank you for your mercy that even someone like me, who's supposed to know better, still has your love, still has your approval through Christ, not because of me, uh, but because you are merciful, because you love me and you gave your son Jesus for me. And that's true of all my friends here. And I pray that you would, uh, with all of us, drive your gospel down deeper into our hearts and send our roots down deeper into it and help us to build our entire life on your grace and your grace alone as received by faith in the gospel. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.